Good morning, church. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Cody. When I was setting the day to preach, like my first pray all the time when I'm going to preach is, God, just bring the people who need to listen to the sermon. God surprised me. This church is full. <laughs> you know, I didn't expect that. So... If you think that you came here to see the band, to bring your child, or to play at the band, you're wrong. You know, the Holy Spirit brought you here today, because I prayed for that. We have been studying the book of Acts for a few weeks, and we have come to the end today. So I was supposed to preach about chapter 13, but I felt so unfair with the other chapters that the book has, you know, that Acts has good chapters. So I just decided to summarize all the chapters that are missing and give you like a big picture and then maybe write a chapter that is missing at all, chapter 29. If you see chapter 28... The book of Acts is interrupted. Paul is in prison. And as you read, you just say, okay, and, and what else? I want more. So maybe the author just left the book open. So it gives an idea that the church goes on. The mission continues. So chapter 13. You will see like Barnabas and Paul, they were sent off. So actually, this is the first missionary journey for Paul. Uh, the name Saul is not going to be used anymore. So in chapter 13, Paul is introduced. Some people say that God has changed his name because God likes to do that. But I don't think it, this is the case here. I think it's just cultural stuff, just the context. My name is Peter. Like here in America, you say Peter. But in Brazil, back home, my mom doesn't call me Peter. She calls me son. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she calls me Peter. So it's just like the same name, different pronunciation. So I think he, when Paul decided to change his name from Saul to Paul, was to better be understood in the community. Some scholars say that Saul, in the Gentile context, meant effeminate. So for sure he didn't want to use that. And he just changed for Paul. So chapter 13 goes on. You can see the ordination here. You see like the church laid the hands on Paul and Barnabas. You might expect that Paul just put... your his hands on them, but actually it's the opposite way. So they are just here giving an affirmation of Paul's ministry. And something that really interesting, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit, not by the church. The Bible is clear to say they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. So in the next chapters, like 14, 15, 16, you're going to see Paul moving a lot. 
He went to Cyprus, Antioch, Jerusalem, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Macedonia, Philip, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, Ephesus, Greece, and Rome. Some people believe that he went also to Spain, but that's Paul, just moving, preaching, doing mission. So when Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, he was being literal. He wasn't being like metaphorically saying, so he was preaching. In 2 Corinthians 11, he always say about his suffering. Say, are they servants of Christ? I am more. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, be flogged more severely, and be exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jewish the 40 lash minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was once peeled with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the church. Woo! That's quite a lot, right? Have you suffered at least a half? <laughs> I didn't. So it's interesting because after those all experiences, Paul says in Romans, what a righteous man I am. So if Paul is saying that, after all of this, I just look at me and say, poor Pastor Peter. <laughs> if, Paul, if Paul feels miserable, what should I feel? You know, after all of this. So we could study Paul for a week, for a month, for a semester, as we are doing here in this church, for a decade. But it wouldn't be enough. There is so much that we can learn in Acts. The Acts leaves the story open. Let's just move here. I forgot about that. Okay. We're still on time. So the story remains open. It's time for Cali Mesa Church to write the next chapter. How can we do that? How can we do that? So I just studied a little bit the book of Acts, the chapter that we're missing, and I summarized them. Let's just pass this PowerPoint to the five S's. So you can see a progression in the book of Acts, and I just summarize in five S's. The first one is salvation. So you were saved by the grace, and there is nothing you can do to add on it. You understand what I said? God saved you, and that's it. You know, you can't help God to save you. What you can do is accept. You're saved by the grace. If you believe that God can save you, boom, you're saved. So if you, if you doubt it, just look at Exodus. God first freed the people 
from Egypt. And then he gave the commandments. He just set the people free. And then he said, now you're going to obey me. Just look at Exodus 20, verse 1. You're going to see why he gave the commandments. Because he first freed the people. Ephesians 2 also says that. That we are dead in our sins and transgressions. And God, because he is rich in mercy. Because he loved us. He saved us by the grace. The first step in the book of Acts is salvation. You are saved. So if there is someone here in this church that feel like worthless or that feel that God doesn't love you, that's a lie. Because God has saved you with his blood. The second point, the second S is service. So you are saved for a purpose. So there is something that you need to do now. You know, once you are saved, you serve. Pay attention to this order, to this progression. You don't work to be saved. You work because you were saved. So salvation comes first. And then you work just to thank you, God, for the blessings he gave to you. So the third S, I need to run. You know, like English is really difficult for me, especially when you're late and you need to run. But I'm going to try to preach this sermon in 20 minutes. If you guys want to go home, don't go like you all at once, okay? Just talk with your family. Oh, you go first. Because it hurts <laughs> when you see like just a block of people, like five people just leaving. Just talk with your family and say, oh, you go first. Give me five minutes, okay? Let's... Let's keep it going. Don't go at once. Because I'm here on the front and it really hurts when you see like 10 people just leave. The third S is sanctification. The Bible says, the book of Acts, you can see that people, they are called to come as they are. So you're called to become as you are. But you better know something. You're not going to stay the same. You're not going to remain the same person. You know, you're going to be transformed. So, sanctification is something that you gain when you work. Like in the Greek thought, we're thinking about, we study about, but in the Hebrew thought, in the biblical thought, you do. How can we explain how to keep a Sabbath for someone? We can't. You can say whatever you want, but you never get to there, to the point. If you want to say for someone, explain how to keep a Sabbath, you say, come and spend the Sabbath with me. I'm going to show you. So in the Hebrew thought, when you do the things, then you learn. So if you want to be closer, sanctified by God, you need to go closer. You need to get closer to God, so you are going to be sanctified. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit and you be transformed in your best version. The fourth F. Oh, I told that in the first service. It's a difficult word for me. So I'm going to try again. Saturated. Did I say right? Oh, woo. Come on, come on. You can clap. It was really difficult, you know. I was studying quite a bit to say this word. Saturated. 
So I was just looking at the dictionary and it says, holding as much water as can be absorbed. So in the third step, the third S, sanctification, you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm a youth pastor and sometimes some parents come to me and say, Peter, my son, my daughter is leaving the church. I'm going to pray for that. Just and say, can you, I'm going to bring him like next Sabbath school. Can you transform him <laughs> into a better person? And you know, like any pastor can't do that. I can't. Pastor Mark, Pastor Derek, we cannot do that. But the Holy Spirit can. I believe that the Holy Spirit can transform people's heart, you know, to better people. So you receive the Holy Spirit and you be saturated by him and with him. Jesus said in John 7, 37, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So that's the plan that God has. God doesn't want to give you the Holy Spirit so you can keep it. He want to make you a river. I was just walking with Bruna, my wife, in one of those days. We had so much to do. Like the final were coming. So I had many papers to write. She was studying. And then we just said, we are overwhelmed. So when we are really overwhelmed and we have many things to do, we do nothing. So we just say, let's walk around the neighborhood, just get some fresh air. And it really helps. So this day, we're just walking around the neighborhood. And we saw like a, a broken sprinkler. And the water was just going like flowing. And it was just become like a flood there. And we just continue our walking. And we saw like the first house was like full of water. And we continued to walk. And the water was going on. And the second house. So they have like a... Five inches of water. I'm doing that like five inches, but I have no idea about inches, you know. My mind works in centimeters. I hope that's right. So I would say 12 centimeters, but like five inches, whatever it is. Like, and then we just walk a little bit more, the third house, the fourth house, and I just say, do you think that's going to reach our house? It's like two blocks away. So it was like full of water because one sprinkler was broken. So when, they, when, I, when I read the Psalm 23 and that part that say my cups is overflowing, that's what I understand, you know. I have received so much of the Holy Spirit that my life is giving the Holy Spirit away. We are just overflowing the Holy Spirit. So... God, when he gives to you the Holy Spirit, he never intended you to be a lake, that you receive the Holy Spirit and you keep him from you, for you. He intends you to be a river. And the difference between a river and a lake is the water movement. So that's what God intends to you, to be a river, not a lake. The last ass. There you have it sent. Now you're full of the Holy Spirit. You are overflowing. And God is going to use your life 
to reach people. That's how you start writing Acts 29 when you were sent. But if we can only connect, if we only connect with people from our church, how are we going to reach people? If the only people that we invite to our house, that we talk to, are church people, how Jesus will come back? We need to get involved with that, with our community. I know that Cali Mesa Church does like a great job with that. We saw some like missionary projects here in Malawi and Honduras, and we are doing like a really great job. So we needed to be intentional in connecting with people to be sent. I like to work in different areas in the church, you know, like visiting, preaching, teaching, eating. So if you can invite me to eat, I love that. I really believe this part of my ministry. <laughs> but I become passionate about young people. You know, I like to work with Gen Z. And something that I noticed from Gen Z is that they are looking for a purpose, for a meaning in their lives. So can you guys help us? Can you guys teach us by example? Can you guys just invite some Gen Z's for your house to wait with you? And then you listen to them and they're going to listen and learning from you. Can we do that? So when I say sent, I'm not saying like overseas only. You don't need to go to Africa. You don't need to go to India for that. You can be sent for your neighbor. You can be sent for a cashier at Costco, for in a drive-thru at McDonald's. You can be sent for people, wherever you are. You know, my first like mission trip that I did was in India. I let me just give you some background. I became an advance when I was 14 years old. And then the first contact that I have with Christianity was like the missionaries book that they give you at Pathfinders. So I read that. I read about John Andrews, and I was a big fan of him. And one day I just said, you know, like, I will be a missionary one day. So when someone invited me, when my professor invited me to be part of the mission trip to India, I thought that would be my highlight for my, my Christian life, you know. Say, I would be saved, man, you know. So... I thought it would be like great this trip, but I can remember sometimes that I felt really, really bad. And I just separate two of those. The first one, I was on a flight, just going to the mission trip. I didn't get there yet. So the flight attendant come and she started to say something that I think was English, but I couldn't say anything because I didn't know English that time. And she just started saying, blah, 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 blah. And the lady who was just next to me, she said, orange juice. And she got like a nice cup of orange juice. So when the lady came to me and said, oh, blah, 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 I confidently looked at her and said, orange juice, please. <laughs> and she gave me the orange juice. And I said, man, the flight was 16 hours. And I drank orange juice <laughs> every meal because I couldn't order anything else. <laughs> yeah. 
So I felt really bad, you know. I'm going for a mission, you know, people speak English. So that day I decided I'm going to learn English. It was like five, six years ago. I'm still learning, so go easy on me. But now I'm preaching English, you know. God just put that in my heart. I just said in, this, in the, the first service that God gave me like dreams and he gave me that. I don't know. He puts in my heart and then now I meet. I don't know. Maybe I'm just spoiled, you know, by God. <laughs> the second time I felt bad was like we are in the village doing some community service. And then my professor was talking with the with one guy there, and I was just looking and paying attention in the conversation. And sometimes my professor was excited, sometimes he was confused, and I was just trying, you know, to understand. And he came to me and said, Peter, did you hear it? And I said, did I hear it? Yes. Did I understand? No. <laughs> and said, I'm going to translate to you. This is the principal of this school. He is the most educated guy here in the whole village. And he appreciated what we are done for him. And he asked me, what is your religion? And I told him, oh, I'm a Christian. And he answered me, what is that? And then I said, oh, we follow Jesus. Who is this? So when he was just telling me the conversation, I started to feel bad. Because that whole village never heard about Jesus. And I was there. And I couldn't preach to them. So, sometimes I still feel bad for that, you know. Because I, I still know that there are many people who never heard about Jesus. There are many people in California who never heard about Jesus. And even though we have like three, four pastors here, we cannot do by ourselves. We need you guys. We cannot write chapter 29 by ourselves. We need you. So that, those are the five S's that can help us to write the chapter 29. So now this is the part of my, my sermon that I don't like much. It's the part that I need to challenge you. No, there are bad things about being a volunteer pastor. You know, we don't get paid. We do all for free. But there are good things. And one of those good things is I can challenge you. I can say whatever I want. And if you get mad, you're going to talk with Pastor Derry. <laughs> is that amazing? That's priceless. No, I'm a volunteer here. So we just sent an email to the senior pastor. I don't want to read that. <laughs> Once my, my, my preaching professor said, like the sermon is to comfort the disturbed people and to disturb the comfort people. So I'm going to say the same words. Some of you is going to understand differently. <laughs> Talk with the Holy Spirit later. Not my fault. Okay, one day I was, I was just playing with a little child and her mom came and said, Oh, tell Pastor Peter that it's your birthday this weekend. And she just came and said, oh, it's my birthday, Pastor. And I said, oh, how old are you? And so I'm going to turn five. And I said, oh, nice. So I said something that I still regret. And I said, guess how old I am. 
And that four, five years old girl just looked at me and said, she was staring at me as she was calculating that, and she said, 59. <laughs> and I said, man, 59, come on. I felt <laughs> bad again, but, you know, I just realized that some, like the, the little child, the little kids, they don't have any notion of time, you know. So you just guess a number, a big number if you're bigger than them. But as a pastor, sometimes I feel like that, you know, trying to guess church age from people. When you come to a church, some people like to say, Pastor, I've been here in this church for 30 years. And then I just assume, oh, this is a mature Christian. You know, 30 years, much to, to learn about with him, with this person. But then I just realized that I was wrong. Like this guy just learned how to be Christian in one year. And, oh, that's, I think we need to pass one more. Okay, for one year, and it's repeating that for 30 years. So he's not 30 years old. He's one year old 30 times. It's different. And Paul says about that in Hebrews 5. He says there is much more we would like to say about this. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babes who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Ooh, I'm glad it's Paul saying that, not me. Yeah, you know, so we learn the five S's. And if we stop here, we would be like really good in theory. As we are. Advanced people, we are really good. We know things. But I want to challenge you that we put in practice. How can we practice? How can you write Acts 29? So my first challenge to you. I have three. So take notes. My first challenge is ask for the Holy Spirit every day. Every day. You know, I have a young brother. He's 21 now. But when he was a child, he was really annoying. Really annoying. You know, like in Brazil, you have the newspaper, and every day the newspaper is no more just saying news from the day past. But on Sunday, it was a bit thicker and comes with many magazines and was like more expensive. We didn't buy that because it was more expensive. But somehow, my brother, maybe he took from friends the toy magazine at the first sun in December. And every day, he just picked something that was really expensive. And every day, he's begging. I want this. I want this. You're going to buy this for me. You're going to buy this for me. And we used to live with your aunt. And he said, yes, yes, I'm going to give you that for Christmas. And for the 20 days, 25 days, he just begged and says, even me, I was like 14 years old. If I had money, I'd say, okay, man, I'm going to give that to you. He was so annoying. Do you know this kind of child? I hope you don't have one at home. <laughs> you know, so when, the, when Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he says exactly that, that you should looking for, you should ask, you should knock, you should ask again. 
and ask every day constantly. So you're going to receive that. If you one day you pray, God, Father, send me the Holy Spirit. And the other day you just pray that, God, I need to change my car. God's going to look at you and say, you don't want the Holy Spirit. You're not being serious. But if you say, God, I want the Holy Spirit. And the next day, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit. Maybe God say, hey, Gabriel. He wants the Holy Spirit. So we need to ask every day. One time someone just asked to Moody, like the famous preacher, if he had received the Holy Spirit. And he said, yes. He said, so why do you ask every day? And he was just thinking for a moment. And he answered, you know, I need a continual and feeling because I leak. So that's why we needed to ask the Holy Spirit every day. So there is my challenge. Set an alarm in the morning. You can do that right now. Just take your phone and set an alarm. And just put, pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Because we cannot write chapters 29 without the Holy Spirit. So just put one alarm. You're going to forget not, you know, some t- like after one week, I've been trying that for like a couple months. And I never got a month in a row. So I'm just praying, God send the Holy Spirit. After five days, I forget. And they say, oh God, I still want, I still want it. So just pray for that. Set an alarm, that's my challenge. Second thing is ask for opportunities to connect with people. Luke 10 says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are there are a lot of people a lot of people that need to know about Jesus and just a couple people to preach for them so just ask God to send you people read this verse and say God it's saying about like a few labors here and I want to be one of that because I have the Holy Spirit in my life so just preach just, just pray every day so God is going to send you. I used to pray that and I taught Bruno that we pray for connections that God sent the right people for us. And once someone just came and said, Pastor, you know, there are two Brazilians. They don't know anyone here and they are looking for a Bible study. <laughs> and I say, I've been praying for them. So just be, my, my challenge for you is set an alarm in the evening. So you're going to have one alarm to ask for the Holy Spirit and another alarm to ask for people, for connections. But this challenge goes on. Just prepare more food at your home because God's going to send people. You know, on Sabbath, cook more food because God's going to send people to you and you're going to be preaching for them. And the last one, oh, the last one is, it hurts even in me. We need to be disconnected with this word. We need to de- detach with this word. We are so linked with the earthly things that sometimes we forget about heaven. Just pass one more. I think we need to let go. One more, please. That we love this word, right? I came for a poor family in Brazil, but when I got here, things started to get better. You know, one day I was crying. I don't know why, but I was crying because some financial problem. I, I want to buy something and I didn't have money. And it was like a good thing. I, I don't know. 
But I was just crying, crying, and then the Holy Spirit said to me, Peter, one day I will give you more than you need. And you know, I just prayed back, God, please don't give me anything that I can't live in 10 seconds. In 2018, I was applying for a call, a position in Australia, and they select me and they call me to be a youth pastor in Australia. And then I just got shocked, you know, because I had here like my car, my family, I had everything here, friends, I had my job, so I was doing well. And like to start things over from zero, it was just freaking me out. Then the Holy Spirit said, Peter, you're taking more than 10 seconds. And then I went to Australia, and it was like an amazing year. So I was a missionary there, missionary in India. And I have learned like that we are here, but we don't belong to here. As I said, I come from a poor family. Now we have like a ni nice couch, a nice TV. <laughs> and sometimes you just sit down and watch Friends. It's nice, you know? It's so comfortable. We eat some snacks that it's so good that we forget that we're going to heaven. It's easy to forget that. I just want to challenge you. Just thinking about something that I really like. Uh, thinking about your favorite shirt that you have. Maybe your favorite tie, favorite dress. Whatever you have in your closet, in your house, that you really like that. When I was thinking about that, I just thought about my favorite shirt that I have. It's a shark one from Maldives, where I spent my honeymoon, where probably I'm going to take like 10 years to go back. But <laughs> this is my favorite shirt. Do you have a favorite shirt or favorite tie, favorite shoes? Can you think about anything? Just let me see just your hand if you thought about anything. Because I need to move on, but I need to wait you. <laughs> let me see. Let me see your hand. Oh, I thought about my shirt. I thought about my tie, my shoes. You have something that I really like. That I really like. Yes. So there go my challenge. It's Christmas time. It's time to give. It hurts, right? <laughs> so I just want to challenge you. Take this shirt, this tie, this shoe. Just wrap it up and give it away. And show the whole universe that you don't love anything in this world, even in your favorite shirt. One day I preached that and someone came to me and said, Pastor, this is impossible. I can't give that. It's my favorite shirt. I have this shirt for five years. And I say, I know it's difficult, you know, because when you are taking care of the garden and you are pulling out the weeds, you don't just cut that. You pull from the root and take things that is really in the root of our heart. It hurts. So the first time I heard this challenge, I need to confess I failed. I had a pink shirt. I thought about it and I couldn't give it away. Today, I don't know even where this shirt is. It disappeared. I don't know. The Holy Spirit took that. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. But I don't have that. Something that really was 
bond me with this word and I don't have that. So in a few years, probably you won't have that. But right now, you need to exercise your heart to believe in, to be living in heaven. So that's how we write the next chapters, full of the Holy Spirit. Connect with people and be really conscious, aware that we don't belong to this earth, that we are going to heaven. You want to go to heaven? So just close your eyes and we're going to pray for you. Dear God, thank you so much because you saved us. And you know, it doesn't require any service from us, any work. You didn't that because we deserve it. You did that because you are loving God. You're rich in mercy. Thank you because even though we don't understand your love and your mercy, we believe that you reach us here today. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit. Give us so much of the Holy Spirit so we can be saturated by him and then the Holy Spirit can overflow in our lives. And we can connect with people. We just want you know. And the whole universe know that we don't belong to this earth. And for the years we are here. We are living in Christ. So please forgive our sins. Bless us. Give us a blessing Sabbath. In your name we pray. Amen.